You are listening to the REI Mastermind Podcast. Join JD as he chats with industry-leading real estate experts and professionals. We learn from their experience and uncover the strategies to their success that we can implement into our own businesses and we can drive immediate results today. They share their experience and wisdom as we build the foundation to our own success. This is the REI Mastermind Network. Well, we have Ryan Sterling on the call tonight. And Ryan, I appreciate your time. And uh, Ryan has uh, written a new book so uh, that's out today. So you're making other people rich, save, invest, spend with intention. With Ryan Sterling, he's a financial advisor and he, he, he has a coaching practice, financial advisor. I mean, you, you got a lot of irons in the fire there, my friend. It's uh, it has been a busy year, no doubt. And uh, with that, I have a uh, a TED talk that I'm giving next week on the same topic. So there's a lot of colliding all at once. Oh wow, your TED talk! I heard that that's quite the process. It, it is the process. It's <laughs> um, you know, I, I think one thing that's helped is that the the talk is basically what's in the book. So it's about developing a healthy, healthier relationship with money. Um, the talk's not called You're Making Other People Rich, but it's basically, again, the same theme. So it helps that they go hand in hand. I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? So mm. I think being able to pitch this book uh, in the, the TED interview process certainly, certainly helped. Right. So, so I, before we kick things off, I also want to make sure that people right off the bat have your contact information. Mm -hmm. So uh, make sure it's Ryan Sterling, that's R-Y-A-N-S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G.com for your website. Mm -hmm. And I, I also believe you're pretty active on LinkedIn, right? I am. That's my main one. I mean, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, but really LinkedIn is the one where I, I engage with the most. So the website, ryansterling.com, and you can find me on LinkedIn. So let's let's start right into the book here. Uh, like what... It's always, I always find it amazing that first of all, the concept of writing a book is, is just beyond me. I mean, what, what caused you to decide to tackle this? I mean, it, it sounds like you've, it's a quite a broad and well-intentioned book here. I mean, I, I really like, especially the, the part about spend with in, intention. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I basically wrote the book that I wish I would have read when I was 25 years old. Right. Uh, I've been a practicing financial advisor for over 15 years. And, you know, it's really interesting. I, I was doing really well in my career. You know, I've worked at some of the largest firms in the investment industry. Um, I would say that the typical client that I've worked with uh, would be considered high net worth or ultra high net worth. So that can be defined in a lot of different ways. But uh, just for clarity's sake, let's just say 5 million in investable assets and above. Now, that's not 5 million net worth. That's 5 million liquid assets to manage in a diversified portfolio. Um, so I was working with some pretty wealthy people. And, you know, when I look over my, my 15, 16 year career, um, I've had a really good vantage point when it comes to wealth, uh, families, um, how it plays a role uh, with you personally, professionally, the role ego plays, expectations. I mean, you name it. I've seen it mm. all. Um, but it was also in a period of my life where I was making more income than I'd, I'd 
I really, I thought where I would be, you know, 10 years prior. So I was doing really well in my career. I was hitting all of those benchmarks, all of those milestones, you know, but I was, uh, I was suffering from what people call, and it's a phenomenon known as lifestyle creep. So every time I made an extra $10,000, my expenses went up by 15,000. Every time I made Mm -hmm. an extra 50,000, my expenses went up by 70,000. Every time I made an extra 100,000, I mean, you know, you, you get the picture. So it was one of those things where, again, I'm, I was sitting here, you know, 36, 37 years old. You know, I, w- I was making more income than I ever thought I would. And I wasn't happy. And I wasn't feeling like I was financially independent or really financially sound, to be honest with you. And it's ironic because that's what I was doing for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, around the same time, I had an opportunity that just kind of fell into my lap to write an article for uh, the publication Business Insider. And it was basically, you know, what are your tips? It was a, it was a free article, basically. What are your tips for mm-hmm. someone who's just starting the wealth building process? And I really, I, I put a lot of time into this article and I basically wrote the article that I wish I would have read, again, 10 years earlier. And I have to tell you, this article, it, it kind of went mini viral in that, I mean, the amount of views and the amount of feedback I got was was incredible. I mean, I was really touched by it. And it was amazing to see how this impacted so many lives. Um, that said, I was working in an environment where I could only work with people with investable assets of 5 million and above. Um, so, so I wanted to, I, to figure out, okay, how can I work with a broader population? How can I get this message out there? And again, how can I wrote, write the book that I think really would have helped me? So that article really was the launching point of, okay, I think I have a really good message here. Um, and then it was really the, uh, I took the approach of, you know, what, take the long, the long road and just, just commit to doing like 300 to 500 words a day. And if you do that for a long enough time, a book's going to come out. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's commendable. I mean, it, it and it, it, just to get into that proper mindset and take that type of action is just always, I mean, it, that's just awesome. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, rich, you know, save, invest, and spend with intention. I mean, yeah. uh, that I really like that, the title of your book. I mean, why, mm-hmm. what makes you the intention uh, especially? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it all comes down to intention and I think about, I mean, just think about where we are as a society. So again, part of this, I, I talk about this came from my own personal pain of being a high earner, but not feeling like I was financially in a very good situation. So part of it, I just did a diagnostic on myself. And when I looked at this and said, okay, I have all the knowledge, I have all the degrees, I have all the experience. Why is it so hard for me to do it? And I realized it's not about the spreadsheets. It's not about the numbers. It's not about the formulas. It's not about the technical side of it. I mean, it plays a role in it, but that's actually of less importance. Really what I was missing was the intention side of it. What do I want? right? What do I want out of life? What life do I want to live? How do I want to design my life? Am I living my life the way that I want to live my life? Am I intentionally designing my day to day? Or am I living my life in a way that I'm being told what I'm supposed to do? And am I falling in line based on societal expectations? So when I thought, when I, again, when I did this diagnostic to say, okay, what am I getting wrong here? It was two things. And and this is the, the book is divided up into three sections. Um, you're being exploited, which I call awareness. Um, mm-hmm. You can fight back, which I call accountability. Um, and then you can take action, which is about taking action. Um, I knew how to take action. 
but I didn't necessarily have the awareness that I was being exploited on a day-to-day basis to consume in a very unintentional way. And then number two, the accountability piece was, okay, once I know and I have this awareness of how retailers and marketers are, are, are getting me to consume in a mindless way on a day-in and day-out basis, how can I take accountability to fight back? And really a, a big theme in this book is, is with intention, I, I, I think intention is kind of synonymous with adding friction points back and creating space between the impulse to consume and actually consuming. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you talk to any venture capitalist, um, if you talk to any retailer, if you talk to anybody who's in a senior level role on a marketing team at any company, I don't care what you're people to spend, the more you are going to spend. The easier they make it on you, the more you are going to spend. It's that simple. And if you look at, I mean, just look at the consuming process back in, call it 70 years ago. If you wanted to buy a pair of shoes, for example, um, you had to really want and need a pair of shoes. There were so many natural friction points that existed between you and buying the pair of shoes. You had to, you know, did you have cash on you? If not, you had to go to a bank. You had to get cash from, you had to wait in line. You had to get cash from a teller. Then you had to go to a store. You had to dig through inventory. Do they have what you want? Do they have your size? If no, go to another store. I mean, the process of buying a pair of, pair of shoes could be a three to six hour event. But with each passing decade, the friction points have been, uh, slowly reduced to the point where we have credit cards, we have online shopping, and now push notifications where you can get an alert on your watch, press one button on your phone, and you can have 20 pairs of shoes delivered a day later. So this system has been intentionally designed to make the uh, consumer experience as easy as possible in an effort for us to spend as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So the way that I'm thinking about this is, how do you fight back against an intentionally designed system? You fight back with intention. Right. So can you talk about some of those intentions? Like how do you put on some of those breaks? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that actually check the deal sites almost every single day. Yeah, yeah. And then, so and think- then that impulsive buys are, are kind of a bane of, of a lot of people's existence. Hundred percent, yeah. So I mean, the, the the biggest tricks, and and I use this with my client base, and I use it for myself. So number one is cr- create short term achievable money goals. So for, for example, if if you have retirement as a goal, and you're 25 years old, or even 30 years old, mm-hmm. I mean, retirement feels like a long way away. I mean the to the traditional standard definition of retirement, you're talking 65 or so, you're 30 mm-hmm. years old, that's 35 years away. So if you're thinking, okay, I have a goal that's 35 years away, I need to retire at some point in time. It's kind of an abstract goal. It's not in front of you. But if you see a beautiful watch or a pair of shoes or something you can use or have fun with today, I mean, when you think about that decision between, again, retirement. 30 years away or something that's right in front of you that I can use today. I mean, the, the retirement goal, there's a, it just stands no chance, right? It's too, right. too far away. It's too abstract. So number one, we just, we have to shorten the goals to the next benchmark. So instead of saying retirement, maybe it's a thousand dollars saved over the next month. Maybe it's um, saving $10,000 over the next year. I mean, it could be $50 over the next two weeks. Whatever you, like wherever you are, whatever you can do that's better than what you're doing right now. And again, just set the goals, make it short term, make it very achievable. And then once you hit it, then move the goalpost from there. So that's number one. Number two um, is just create some space 
between the impulse to consume and actually making the purchase. So with that, I mean, the user experience is so easy today. I mentioned you can get an alert on your watch and press one button on your phone. Um, I create this rule that before checking out, I step away for at least five minutes. Just do something else for five minutes. Mm -hmm. um, it, it could be 15 minutes if you need it. I have a client that does it for an hour. Um, create space, create distance to create that friction. Um, you still might make the purchase, but it, there'll at least be some space and some thought behind it. And, and by the way, if you decide not to do it after five minutes and you say, you know what, I actually don't really need this, uh, make sure to uh, delete it from your uh, cart because if it's in your cart, they will find you somehow. So it's one of those things, delete it from your, your cart, delete it from your mind and just completely forget about it, right? If, mm -hmm. if, if you don't, if, if, it's not, if it's not something that you really need after giving five, 15 minutes or an hour, then you right. just, you don't need it. Your life's going to be fine. Um, and then I think the last thing is, and this is a funny one because it's, it's, it's a easy, it, it's, it's something we, we do every day, but at the same time, when we actually really think and try to uh, thoughtfully define this question, it's, uh, it's actually becomes a lot harder. And the question is, what do you want? Um, I ask people all the time, what do you want, but add two constraints? It can't be more stuff. And it can't be money. Mm -hmm. So in other words, what are your deeper wants? And almost always it's more connections, it's more adventure, it's more personal growth opportunities, it's more fun. I mean, you name it. Um, so, but by doing this and by defining the wants, then go through and say, okay, so what are you missing in your life right now where you can get back some of those wants and you can actually experience some things that are missing from your life. Um, I actually have some clients that actually put together a vision board to visualize what their best, most intentional life uh, looks like. Mm -hmm. And then once, once you get clear on what you want your life to look like, how you envision your life, what you want out of life. Now you can ask the question when you get the impulse to consume, is this getting me closer to, or is it taking me away from my best life? Right. No, I really like that, especially the exercise around, um, what are your wants? And, it, and, and I like that you deliberately said it can't be more stuff or money. I mean, yeah, that, that yeah. really is a, is a thing. You know, you, you brought up something there, like putting in those barriers, like step away. You know, uh, it, it reminds me something I did not too long ago. Actually, it's probably been closer to a year ago now. I stopped installing social media apps on my phone. hundred percent. Yeah. It, it, it makes me, it puts in a barrier. So if I want to check social media, I have to actually launch it through a web browser uh, yeah. on my phone or go to the computer into it. I mean, it's yeah. that additional barrier. So it prevented me from checking it every five seconds. Yep. I, I have a client who she had a really hard time um, with, with promotions. It's like every promotion. It's like, yep, totally. I need that. Yep. I need this. Yep. I need this. She just, she couldn't stop. So in, in the theme of, again, putting up the barriers, the friction points, we said, okay, we're going to create some rules here. Number one, you're deleting all of your apps. You can put it back, but for right now, just delete all of them. So she deleted all of her retail apps. Um, number two, created this rule that for one month, you cannot buy anything new. If you need a new vacuum cleaner, wait a month. If you need pots and new pots and pans, like wait a month. No new stuff for one month. And it's amazing to see the change in just one month by deleting the apps and by saying no to new stuff. She was like a completely different person. 
And it was the purge that she needed to say, you know what, I have control over this because she was being controlled. Again, she was being bombarded on a day-to-day -day -day basis. Oh, new clothes, new shoes, uh, new watch, again, new pots and pans. And she created this almost, again, because this is what retailers want, is like, oh, yeah, new, I need new pans. Yeah, definitely. And there's $100 on new pots and pans. Um, I'm using an example because it's a real example. Um, mm -hmm. it, but it's, so when she created that space, it completely changed the control where then she felt in control. And now we're a couple months, we're a couple months removed from that. And I said, go back, put in your apps. Like you can, you can do whatever you want now. And she goes, I don't want to, like, I'm, I'm good now. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we just need that space. We need that distance. Yeah, no, th this is, this is awesome. So, you know, you mentioned vision boards before. Are there any other tips and strategies that you would recommend or exercises that people might want to consider when painting this ideal, like living in it with intention? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, a vision board isn't for everybody, but I have clients who do it, and it's a good day-to-day -day reminder of what they want to do. And, and look, I'll give you a quick example. So I know someone who, who um, lives in, in my neighborhood. Great guy. He's, a, he's an attorney hates his job. I mean, the guy looks miserable, absolutely hates his job. And every time I see him, he's, and he, by the way, he looks tired. He's aging faster than he probably should be. Um, he just, he's out of shape. And every time I see him, he's like, Oh my God, you are so, I, I want to do what you're doing. I want to work for myself. I'm sick and tired of this corporate law BS, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, um, and then like literally two minutes later, he's showing me his new Mercedes <laughs> and he's mm -hmm. talking about like, oh yeah, I just got into a, a new country club. I asked him like, well, why did you get a new Mercedes and sign up for a new country club? He's like, well, you know, with the, the law firm, you kind of have to like make up appearances. So I had to get this club membership and he's like, ah, oh, you know, but I really don't love the people at the club. And, uh, but you know, then I needed to show up in, in, a, in a nice car because like, that's what you have to do to make up appearances. And I'm like, so you're now, you, you now paid, I think it was like $40,000 for club dues and you bought a new Mercedes to help solidify yourself in a role that you absolutely hate. <laughs> Where if you think about it, it's like, like, are you, are you spending in a way that's getting you closer to starting your own business someday? Or are you spending in a way that's keeping you trapped? And so I think, again, the vision board, I think can solidify it. But I think even if it's a one thing, in, you know, if, if you're working a corporate job and you're like, I hate my corporate job. What's the one thing you want? Let's say it's starting a business. Okay, starting a business. Just put it down, write it down anywhere. Put it in the universe. Tell your friends, tell, you know, have an accountability group. Um, whatever it takes to have that reminder um, because you're going to need that reminder when, it, when those purchases come up that, um, again, are just in an unintentional way that you're doing for something or someone else to a reminder to say, is this getting me closer to or taking me away from, from owning my own business? Right. And as a reminder now, you provide this as a service as part of your coaching. So if people want to go into a deeper dive, make sure you go to ryansterling.com, like we said, or hit you up through, through LinkedIn. LinkedIn, yeah. Um, so let's, let's circle back on, on a couple things here. Um, we, before we started the, the discussion, we before we hit record, I mean, we, you mentioned that a lot of people experience unrest and anxiety around money. And we talked about like hitting those perceived goals, if you will, you know, people are buying Mercedes and, and a few other things. Um, can, let's talk a little bit about 
that. You know, the especially right now with the economy and COVID, there is a lot of anxiety around money. And how, how do some people, like some strategies that people can use to, to cope with some of this? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're, so first off, I mean, number one, if you are, if you are somebody who, who unfortunately lost your job during this time, um, if, if you're getting any sort of benefits or if you have a severance, um, make sure to really think about where your money is going more so than ever. Um, it's funny. I saw, um, it's not funny. It's actually sad. I saw, um, a CEO of a, of a new shoe company. I can't remember what the brand was. I was on CNBC and he was talking about, he was concerned over his sales going down because of the concern over the second wave of, of stimulus money. And the mm -hmm. fact that this extra $600 was really helpful in, in their sales. And it's got me thinking, it's like, man, if someone's unemployed right now and getting that extra, um, unemployment check from the stimulus package, that's going to shoes. Like that's the last place it should be going. Right. Um, so number one, I mean, if you're in a place where, uh, you know, you've lost your job or you're feeling like money is going to be tight, you know, the, the resource that you do have, I just can't stress enough track every single expense. I actually do it in a spreadsheet and I track each one of my expenses every single day just to know where my money is going. Um, you know, number two, I mean, if you, if you're someone where you've kept your job, um, but you're just, you're a little bit nervous or this is, you know, cause you to be a little bit shocked. Um, look, I, I was, I was 27 years old when the financial crisis hit. Um, that was such an amazing learning experience for me. Um, I was fortunate enough that I didn't lose my job. Um, but the interesting thing was I was 27. I actually got promoted, but it, I didn't get promoted because I was some amazing employee. I got promoted because the people 10, 15 years ahead of me were getting let go because they were more expensive. And that just got the, the thought in my head, okay, someday I'm going to be a lot more expensive than I am right now. And I'm going to be way more disposable than I am right now. So just thinking about, this isn't a scare tactic, but these things happen. You know, these mm -hmm. things find us every 10 years or so. So it's one of those where if you're feeling shell-shocked right now, um, and this is your first time going through um, a... Uh, you know, some sort of economic crisis. Um, this is part of life. This is, this is, this is uh, a reality that we face historically every 10 years or so. So it's one of those where it's just a reminder that when things will turn, we will get out of this. Um, but it should just be a reminder in the back of your head when things do turn to be really thoughtful and to make sure you are saving. And then I think the last thing is if you're someone where you're feeling behind and you're feeling that this crisis has put you even farther behind, um, small, small investments made over a consistent period of time do add up. So if you can take, I don't care what it is, $100, $200, $300, $50 a month and put it in an investment account and just buy an S&P 500 exchange traded fund. So S&P 500 exchange traded fund, it's a mutual fund that you can buy just like a stock and it mm -hmm. basically tracks the 500 largest companies. You can right. buy on Robinhood, and this is not an endorsement of Robinhood, but you can buy uh, an exchange traded fund for as little as 50, I mean really $5, but I mean $50 a month, 
it sounds like a small amount, but it does add up over time. And if that's all you can do, I, I can't stress enough, do it. And especially in times of stress and anxiety, I just noticed that for myself personally, if there's anything that I, I feel stress about, or I feel some sort of anxiety, the best antidote is to just do something about it in the opposite direction. So mm. if you feel like you're getting, you're, you're, you're not far enough uh, ahead of, you know, you're, you're not where you should be. Well, then instead of having anxiety about it, take action in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that's great advice. And what um, I, I would also make sure that uh, you don't sit there and if you start buying stock and or something in Robinhood, uh, don't be looking at it every few minutes. Because, uh, <laughs> the market will just drive you crazy too. Oh no, this is this is long term <laughs> investments. And uh, you know, one the one thing I will say is that you know the when, when you look at the just the, the simple path to building wealth, mm-hmm. it's really two things. It's the intention that we talked about um, at the beginning of this conversation, adding intention to our spending. But then number two, it's then taking the savings and it's acquiring appreciating assets, assets that go up in value over time. And the appreciating assets that I find most compelling are stocks, owning real estate as income properties, mm-hmm. um, as well as your own intellectual capital and starting potentially starting a business. I think those are the best appreciating assets that you can invest in. Um, so it's one of those things where instead of just always buying the new the new gadget right when it comes out, don't just buy the gadget. Also own the company. Right, be an mm-hmm. owner of capital. So it's really that simple. It's adding intention to your spending, and it's taking the savings, and it's becoming an owner of capital, an owner of your life, as opposed to just being a consumer of stuff and supplier of labor. Right. No, that was that's a good point too. You know, I've, I've heard that from somebody else as well. Is that if you are going to buy stock, consider buying stock in the things that you would typically buy in your everyday life. I mean, those are products that you like and, and that you are familiar with. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, I personally, if, if if you're starting from zero and the stock market kind of scares you a little bit, I, I would just buy an S&P 500 index fund and just own the entire market and take the thought process out of it. Um, but that said, um, I do think though, there is some power in owning the stuff that you own. Um, and in part, that connects you to what it means to be a stock investor. So, for example, you know, again, I just I'll use Apple as an example. It's not an endorsement of Apple stock, but look, I think Apple's a great company. I have Apple products all around my house, um, so I'm a consumer of Apple, but I'm also an owner of Apple stock for the long run. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those where you know when you see Apple stock, you know, volatile, and you see it up twenty percent one month, down twenty percent one month. Um, at least you know. I mean, it's kind of irrelevant, and that's just month-to-month noise. At least you know that you have ownership of a company that's a good company that's selling its products around the world and are producing things that people want to buy. Mm-hmm. No, Apple's a good example. I mean, I, I saw just this week uh, there was a report that they 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 own the top in the United States anyway, the top eight six devices out of the top ten. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all over my house. So it's one of those things where, again, I just can't trust enough. Instead of just being a consumer, own the company as well. Mm-hmm. So is that, you know, leading us back to you at the beginning, of, you know, you, you're, the title of your book, it's called at the, the front half of the title is you're making other people rich. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's, let's dive, dive into that a little bit. What do you mean by that? Like, how, how are we making other people rich? We're making other people rich because, I mean, it's, it, you're, 
you're basically every time money leaves your pocket and you're buying a depreciating asset. So you're buying something with clothes, a gadget that's going to go down in value right after you buy it, a new car that's going to lose value over the next year. I mean, you're basically giving away your money. You're mm -hmm. giving it to somebody else. You're making them rich. And then what are you doing for yourself? Making you poor. Maybe making you poor. Exactly. <laughs> so that's why I say like own appreciating assets, but it's crazy because we do the opposite. I mean, if you look at consumer spending today, it's amazing. You know, the average American has $7,000 of credit card debt, right? Which means you are then borrowing at an interest rate of 20% to buy stuff that you don't need. And again, when you are making that exchange, you're making a couple of people rich. You're buying the owners of capital who mm -hmm. own the stuff that you're buying, you're making them rich, and then you're making the lenders rich because you're paying them 20% for the right to have their money. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's an insane system when you think about it, right? Again, so many of us, we, we said, I, I said this before, um, we, we stay stuck as a consumer of stuff and supplier of labor. And we, we have to supply our labor because we need money because we need to have the money to buy more stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a really vicious cycle. Meanwhile, the people who own the stuff that we're buying, they're taking our money and they're investing it and they're growing that money. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I tell people all the time, you know, if, if you're buying, if you're just mindlessly buying things, if you're someone where, and, and my wife and I used to have this issue. Again, I wrote the book. I, I wish I read, would have read 20 you know, when I was 25. Um, so I, I know this very well because I was one of these people. And I mean, when you're talking about just constantly buying, oh, here's a, here's a deal on a new shirt. Here's some new jeans. Here's some new shoes. Oh, here's a new watch. And you just, you just keep, you know, you just keep buying. You can't stop yourself. Um, it's hard to notice that the stuff that we were buying a year later, we were donating right? Mm -hmm. We were buying, we, we were over consuming depreciating assets. So I tell right. people all the time, like a depreciating asset, if I were to try to sell this shirt to you right now, there's no way you buy it from me, you know, at a price higher than what I paid for it. Like this right. shirt's probably worthless right now and have to donate it if I didn't want it anymore. So it's amazing to think that like, man, we were spending thousands of dollars that eventually was just getting donated as, you know, just clothes that we weren't using anymore because we needed to make space for the new clothes that we were buying. Mm. I mean, it was just insanity when, when I thought about it. But then when I look around at my peer group, I look around at some of my clients um, today in my coaching side of my business, um, you know, that's, that's how they're living their day-to-day -day life. And, and I have great empathy for that because I used to be there and I get it. It's really hard to stop. It's really yeah. hard. Yeah. No, you know, it's, it's always amazing, especially, you know, we deal with primarily real estate investing. But, you know, we, I've run into quite a few people. You mentioned the Mercedes with the lawyer. Mm -hmm. They won't think twice of buying a new car, mm -hmm. right? And, and have that monthly expense. But when you're, they're the same people that will him and haw and take forever. Uh, analysis paralysis when it comes to... <laughs> getting a cash flowing rental. That's right. Yeah. An asset that's going to pay you and go up in value over time. Yeah. So, so that I've been trying to switch the script a little bit on that. Um, let's say somebody wants a new car. I've been trying to coach people a little bit on the concept of, okay, you can have that car when you have the cash flow from a rental property to pay for it. That's right. You know, so then it's a wash. That's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. And I mean, it, you know, this is one of those things where 
when when reading when reading this book and when well, when writing this book and hopefully when people read this book I hope they'll see this is not a book about depriving yourself. And I tell my clients all the time, tracking your expenses, budgeting, this is not, again, this is not deprivation. This is not to deprive yourself. Um, it's about saying no to the things that add very little to your life at the end of the day and mm-hmm. yes to the things that add an incredible amount of value. And this goes right. back to the, you know, what do you want? So if you have someone that's like, you know what, what do I want? It can't be new stuff. It can't be more money. And they say, man, I just, my kids are growing up so fast. I would love to have more time with my kids. I am, I mean, think about time as an asset. I right. mean, time is more valuable than money. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I could say that. Go to, go to, if I were, I live in New York City. If I were to go find an 85 billionaire in New York City and say, look, you're 85 years old, you're a billionaire. Um, you trade it all to be a 22 year old again with zero money. And in a heartbeat, they would make that exchange. Time is so much more valuable than money. Mm-hmm. So going back to this, so let's say this person says, no, I just, I, what do I want? Gosh, I want to spend more time with my kids. They're growing up so fast. Um, but you know, I'm a corporate attorney and I have to work 80 hour weeks because you know, that's how I, that's how I pay the bills. Okay. So stop right there. Okay. What do you want? You want to spend more time with your kids. Okay. Is buying a rental property, that's, that's producing an income stream that mm-hmm. ultimately is going, what's that going to do for your job then? That's going to make you less reliant on your job. When you're less reliant on your job, then you don't feel the anxiety of trading your time for money anymore. And guess what? Now you've just freed up more time to go spend, spend time with your family. So mm-hmm. if you, if, and think about this as a multi-year process. So if you buy a rental property in year one, and then year two, you do it again. Year three, you do it again. Five years later, you have five rental properties. Guess what? You don't need the job anymore. Now you mm-hmm. can do whatever you want with your time. So what do you want? I want to spend more time with my kids, my family. You know, they're growing up so fast. Guess what? You can accomplish that by, again, buying appreciating assets or income producing assets that are paying you. That Mercedes is not going to do it. That Mercedes is just going to take you away from what you actually want at the core of you. Right. No, this, is, this has been an eye opener and I hope people take some of this to heart. I mean, the, the entire concept of your book title, I I think we can probably put a period on the end of a lot of this with what you titled your book. You're making other people rich, save, invest, and spend with intention by Ryan Sterling. Um, I can't thank you enough. I mean, this, I, I, I hope that a lot of people take, see a lot of value in this. And I mean, I already ordered your book while we were chatting. Oh, great. Um, so well, it should you. be on my phone. Um, but you can't, I, I, how can I turn that down? I mean, I don't know if it's a, it's a limited time offer, but you it, have it, it for 99 cents. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, jeepers. I mean, if people take, take the investment, I mean, if that's probably some of the best 99 cents I'm going to spend uh, this month. So I appreciate yeah. that. I'll tell you, I don't know when this is going to be released. Um, it's probably going to go back up to six ninety nine. The publisher is doing it for the first week promotions. Um, but even at six ninety nine, look, if you, if you have a Kindle six ninety nine, I, I, I mean, it is my hope that you can read through this book. It's a fast read, by the way. I mean, it will take you a couple of hours. It reads real quickly. I fly at the right altitude. I'm not getting overly technical. And it's my hope that someone can read this book and, and to redefine their relationship with wealth and to avoid making the same mistakes that so many of us make with money. Yeah, I, with, with today's, you, you, we talked about how uh, it is so easy to, to buy these mm-hmm. days. And we're in a society 
of want. I mean, our society is in a constant state of want. And now you add social media on top of it where we're only comparing each other. I mean, it's just this, it's just a, it's just a self-feeding machine. It, it, it gets, it's so easy to get carried away. Oh, it's, it's, the system is rigged against you. And I'm not saying that in a conspiracy way. I'm saying that in a talk to, I said this at the beginning, talk to any venture capitalist. What is their job? Their job is to take your money from you as easy and as fast as possible. And they're not bad people. That's just their job. So again, the only way you can fight back is with the intention. I can't stress enough. Yeah. That, really appreciate your time, Ryan. I, I hope that uh, people take some of this uh, and act upon it right away. In fact, uh, I really like, I I wanted to kind of summarize a couple things. You mentioned uh, defining some achievable small goals, hitting those goals. um, And uh, achievable goals is is really the key there because Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's amazing. If you, if you go too far, stretch it too far, um, you'll give up pretty easily. I mean, you got to find some measurable, achievable goals. Mm-hmm. I really like putting in those blockers when it comes to spending. And, and I even, my wife and I actually take a breath. You know, it's funny you bring this up. When we ask, we're going to buy something, we actually say, okay, is this, is this worth it? Yeah. We actually ask that question before we, we take that type of action. Um, yeah. And, uh, just putting in those blockers, and I, like I said, I've gone as far for social media as deleting those apps. I mean, yeah. so, um, and then, you know, as as crazy as it sounds to some people, and I was one of those people a few about two years ago, I would have told you to your face that you're crazy to think about doing a dream board. <laughs> or writing something down yeah. on a daily basis or all of that stuff. I thought it was a bunch of hokum. <laughs> but um, now I really see that there's a lot of power to that. And mm-hmm. uh, for as crazy as I thought the ideas were, that exercise is is definitely worth that time investment. You're, put, you're putting it out there. I, so I'm not, just to be clear, I'm not the person that says, if you manifest it, it's just going to come. I am the person that says, if you put it on a board and you can see it, you will take the steps to get there. And again, you will say, hey, I've never traveled to Asia. I really want to do it. You put it on the board. Then you're asking yourself those questions. Do I want another pair of shoes? No, I want to travel to Asia in the next two years. Okay, mm-hmm. let's reroute money from here over here. Um, that's that's how those things become reality because you put it out there, you add intention to the goal. Yeah, and I've I've mentioned this on the show quite a few times, and it's it's probably becoming a catchphrase. But you, um, as soon as you take it out of your head and put it on a piece of paper, mm-hmm. it stops being a dream and becomes a target. Exactly. Exactly. One hundred percent. Well, I, I really appreciate your time, Ryan. This has been awesome. I hope we can do it again sometime. Like I mentioned to you, we typically cover a lot of real estate investing, but I, I really like taking a moment to broaden the conversation a little bit, make sure that we cover all grounds and, and, and look at other avenues, but especially regarding the anxiety and everything that's going on in our day and age, I, I thought this was a really important conversation to have. I really appreciate your time. 
No, Jack, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun and uh, I hope to do it again sometime. Yeah, I hope so too. We'll catch you soon. Yeah. This has been the REI Mastermind Network. You can already tell that we've made some changes and a few more are on the way. If you are interested in what we have planned, head over to patreon.com slash REI Mastermind and support the show today. Financial contributions are always appreciated along with a like, share, and review. It really helps us grow and reach more people with this valuable information. See you next time and tell a friend.